I can only be told so many times to work out and get up early and do a cold pack lunch. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of stopped listening to Joe Rogan because once you hear him say the same things over and over again, it gets like repetitive and you're like, oh, there's you ran out of dialogue options. It gets super repetitive and boring. <laughs> you should talk in your own new podcast. Yeah, I, I bought this. OK, yeah. I guess your shit's not talking Scott, which is apropos the title. <laughs> I've never used that word before. I can't believe. Apropos. What does that even mean? Uh, as per or like appropriate. Uh, associated no okay okay that sense yeah 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 apropos our discussion earlier as per okay as per yeah okay i love like learning the origins of words i have a weirdly good vocabulary for someone who never reads you know what word i love words gusto yeah she, she has the gut, like, it's just like a, it's like a drive. I would never use that one. Gusto, you have the gusto to do something. The yeah. gusto. I just like that word. It's a strong word. I could only imagine myself using it ironically. Hmm. Interesting. Give it, like, if someone's trying to move furniture or something, be like, why don't you try using some gusto? <laughs> or you could do some sort of pun about a gust of wind. If I were to oh, use the word gusto, maybe, it would be maybe- like. Maybe self-aware about how it's a weird word to say. Maybe that's the origin of it, though. Gust, like oh, maybe gust of wind. Move Did you ever forward. hear the word gaudy? Gaudy, what like that means something is gaudy. Yeah, exactly. You got it. I think I do. <laughs> like it. I would say that if a place looked like ancient, like ancient, ancient, kinda. It means like overly extravagant. Yes, like a big, like a church with a ceiling that's just like way too high. Yeah, 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 gaudy. And it's named after a guy with that name, Gaudy, and he was like an architect who planned for like some big chapel somewhere. I don't know where, probably Rome. I don't know, but like he, and he made it so elaborate and so big that he'll be long dead before it's done. It takes like it would take like a hundred years to build, and I think maybe they're still building it. I don't know. Oh, interesting. So gaudy, yeah, gaudy, it's like over the top. This week on Sarah and Mike's podcast about words, it's in the linguistic <gasps> it's actually, podcast. It's honestly a, a kind of a fun idea for a podcast because you would have endless episodes because each episode could just be about oh, not that a smart. word, oh, a yeah. word in the human language and like its origin and where it comes from, and it kind of. And how to use it right. The name of your podcast, Intoxicated. You're breaking down language now. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Lean into the talk and away from the excited. That's the new version of the podcast. I should open this bonus episode. Hello, everyone. Hey, hello. Hi. 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 It's been it's been a long time. Hello. It's, It's nice to not see me. Oh my gosh, we're on audio only here. Which is a relief because I have my uh my sweater with all the swastikas on it. <laughs> All right. He said he had a joke associated with no video and he did it. There it is. My grandma knitted it's it for pretty me before offensive. she died. Especially oh fuck's sake. Especially for uh right before you go to work. It's an interesting choice of attire. I don't I don't have work tonight. You don't? No, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow I thought, morning. I thought you were oh yeah. when you said seven, I thought you meant seven PM. Oh, no, I wouldn't be here in street clothes. <laughs> this is cutting okay. me too close. I couldn't do that. That's too funny. Okay, well, cool, 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 cool. I got nothing to talk about now. My joke's well, over with. So. Well, no, we have stuff to talk about. Okay, yeah, true, true. So, hi, everyone. It's been a long time. I haven't posted a podcast in like a month, maybe even more than a month. Um. So, you guys, I don't know if anyone is wondering what the fuck is going on with the show or not maybe they are i think people ask me when they see me oh yeah they're like are you so still no are you still doing it well or, that's good they've noticed your absence then yeah they're paying attention yeah and i don't have a good answer other than i started getting burnt out again um from it and i kind of just felt like i was doing it because like for other people not me yeah if that makes sense and also, I, I just, I got, I got bored with it. Is that a, is that bad, bad for me to say? I have other ideas and other things I want to do. And it's like, when you've been doing the same passion project for six years, it's like, is this going to elevate or is it going to stay the same? 
well, kind of thing. It is opened it, doors for you. Like you've now made it your career. Yeah. It's open doors for me for sure. But it's kind of one of those things where I go, I wonder if I could like get a sponsor for this show or get the show on a network. Like, like the next time I kind of start it back up again, I would like to have like some sort of support. I don't know if that makes if that makes any sense. What do you mean? Like in, involving your job or like some kind of outside influence? No, like, like potential. Like, I mean, I've always wanted to get on a network, like a comedy podcast right. network because yeah. it would essentially, I mean, depending on the network, um, they help promote your show. They get you cross promotion with other podcasts and it's like a community feeling. And I've just kind of felt like an island for so long. Do you know of any of those like for Canada specifically? Oh, yeah. Might be better. Yeah. I have some contacts too, and I could very well send an email, but I think it's just, I'm just trying to figure out if the show's run its course or not. Um, I still don't know guys like if I'm ending it the way, like the way I see it right now is it's like, <laughs> I'm on, I'm on a break, not a breakup, you know, like, I'm not really actively doing intoxicated episodes, but it's not, I don't, I don't want to say that it's done. Yeah. Cause that feels too final. It feels like a very final thing to be like, okay, no more ever it is, again. It is nice to just have a platform to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Cause that's different. Like more, you yeah. got this new format with the other podcast and yes. so this is more free form. This is more, and I, and I like, I love interviewing people. When I want to interview people, I love it. So only do it when you can get someone that you actually give a shit about talking to. That's kind of what just, I'm like, thinking. Fill the spots with your friends because you don't have anybody. I would I would love to know, listeners, what you guys think of maybe like a monthly episode. Cause that's very doable for me. That is far you know, if it was like a, a good hefty conversation once a month. Yeah. And then it could be just I could just roll out content to like promote that episode all month. That's I can handle that. Um, but you alluded to it and I did put the trailer for Scott versus Sarah on the intoxicated feed, but, um, I have a new podcast with Scott McLean, um, which is not a guest format. It is just him and I different topics every episode. Um, it's a very simple formula that I've been really enjoying. Um, and hopefully the plan is to make 15 episodes for the first season take a little break figure out if we like doing it i like the topical thing like having a subject that it stays on the whole podcast like i feel like for a while it's always been glorified like oh it's just shooting the shit with my friends yeah. man but like every podcast is that you got to have a hook now and yeah and i i know that sounds kind of just like a marketing thing but it, it is as a listener a little bit more refreshing mm -hmm. yeah because not people don't always have the energy to like maintain a long form conversation. Like, <laughs> like sometimes you just don't have stuff to talk about. And also just talking about the Halifax comedy scene is a yeah. bit niche for yeah. like a worldwide audience. Exactly. It's very limiting in terms of growth. And I've loved doing it for the scene, but it only goes so far. And then it's a lot of work that I'm putting in for like a bubble. Yeah, it's got to be fun you know? enough to be worth it. Like, do you think it became feeling like a job recently or has it for like years? I think like <clears throat> when I relaunched, that was so fucking fun. Like when I took a five month break and then I relaunched the show, I loved that like start of the relaunch era. Like, yeah. I thought that was so fun because I missed it. Yeah. I really did miss it. And I was excited for like the new segments and like trying to do things a bit different. Um, and honestly, it is just a lot of work. And I realized that my life with the podcast and stand up, there was not much else going on, you know, like comedy was my social life. The podcast was my social life. All my value was in those two things. Yeah. And then what are you going to talk about on either one other than doing comedy or exactly. doing podcasting? Exactly. It's, it's kind of weird for an entertainer to just talk about the entertainer things they do all the time. Exactly. And like, if I wasn't, if I didn't have a full time job, maybe it would be different. But like, I'm, you know, going from work to work all the time. Yeah. 
And like, it's still fun work, but it's still work. Um, the podcast slash comic lifestyle might only be feasible if you're getting a living from either yeah. one. Or if there's a something more of an incentive in it, you know, which that's my goal. I mean, my goal would be to have a successful podcast that gets ads, ad revenue, is on a network, is recognized publicly, like gets recognition. Um, I would love like more listeners. Like I know numbers don't always matter, but obviously like they'd be great. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> you it's, know, it's, like... <laughs> it's pretty much the thing that matters most. Yeah, it does. It's true. Like, yeah, you've been doing it for the sake of it for this long, which shows uh, that it's an intrinsically motivated thing, which is yeah. better than not. But like, yeah, if, if you had a bunch of listeners that could pay the bills, then because you're working a full-time job and then trying to do stand-up and podcasting, it's like you're going to be working twice as hard yeah. as other podcast comedians and getting, like, half as far. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And actually, you want to know what did it for me? Was um, the last Intoxicate episode was with Liam Fair, who's great. You should check that out. He's with Hello City Improv. Um, I had a great time. But um, I had a moment where I ran into an old friend that I hadn't seen in a while. Actually, she's a former intoxicated guest. She was on the show. Like, Friend of the show. Before I got comics on. Like, very early days. Very early, early, early intoxicated guest. Uh, ran into her, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, what's new? She was pregnant, and she was getting married. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah. And she turns to me and goes, so you're still doing the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I get used to that. And I, it just really made me realize, like... I need, I need more in my life. Like I just do. Um, I just can't put all my eggs in this basket. That's a hobby podcast basket anymore. So it was kind of just an eye opening experience for me of being like, you know, I, I really need to live some more life, you yeah. know, like, well, that like that's just exactly what it is. I need to live more, have more like date, like have, friendships that are like social outside of comedy yeah you need something to talk about yes so that's kind of where i've been y'all uh also my cat is dying and it's been very hard <laughs> yeah that's pretty much what we talked about before <laughs> we, we just we just talked about this but did i introduce you did i say your name yeah uh, okay, I did. jerry I did. griffin <laughs> if i didn't introduce him we're with michael kennedy yeah um who uh We've been both on a comedy break. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pro at comedy breaks by this point. So I'd love to pick your brain about that because that's also something that's a change for me. So like I've haven't done stand up in two months. Yeah, which is long for me. Two months. It's probably like six months or more for me. It's been six months. Yeah, probably. So what, probably more. So what made you stop doing that? Uh, I was just burnt out at work and then I was yeah. just depressed. The exact same, like on the last podcast I was on, I literally just feel like a broken record because I had just come back from a community hiatus for the same thing. Right. So I was burnt out at a job, quit that job, went to another job, really liked it, got back into comedy and was happy for like almost a year. And then I got burnt out on that job again. I'm a nurse, by the way, which is why I get burnt out all the time. And also, it's understandable. I have a lower tolerance than most nurses to at getting burnt out, I think. On top of that. Uh, but it's not a comparison. I know. You shouldn't I compare know. burnout. But the fact it's, like people would be like, oh, in a year, you'll stop leaving at eight. And then a year and a half later, I'm still leaving at eight and eight thirty. Oh, like you're staying later supposed than to be off at seven. Like, right. Staying late to chart. Like I can't chart okay. anything gotcha. until I just don't have the time management skills. And so when you're working on an acute floor, it's not that I was making errors or anything like I don't think I was a bad nurse, but like I would self-sacrifice like crazy, like skipping breaks, staying uh, late to chart and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I just not very good at saying no to people, patients and stuff. So I'm always just, you know, yeah, not the best at time management. So that made me really burnt out. And people don't realize like like the energy it takes to do stamp because not only are you doing shows and you have to have energy for that. But like to have your brain working to where you can even write jokes and like think comedically. Yeah, you kind of have it, to be in a light mood. And yeah, if you're yeah. 
And that I mean, was that was the thing for me. I I just stopped enjoying it. I see the. I cat, stopped enjoying it. The thing is, when I had my last break and then I came back, I was like, "That was so stupid that I stopped doing it." I was depressed partly because I wasn't doing it, but then yeah. the logic was I stopped doing it because I was depressed. Oh my god! And exactly the, the same for me. Exactly the same for me. Well, I think Isn't a lot that- a lot of things with depression work like that. I think like if you were you're you can't work out because you're depressed, but if you worked out, you'd stop being depressed. That's right. Isn't that fucked though? Like, is there a solution is the thing? Like I stopped the first. So like when I stopped, it was like beginning of March and wait. So how long has it been? March, April. It's been almost four months then that I've I thought you said at the grocery store a lot longer than two months. I was, I feel like you were walking it back there. Fuck me. This makes me feel worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I still got hey, a lot. Hear more that, guys? Me. Hear that sound of panic in my voice? Um, and all this being said, these are all excuses. Like, like <laughs> people have pursued comedy with more stress than this, but it's just that's all I could tolerate. Also, yeah. I had a, a bit of a conflict at one show, not like a conflict. I got called out for like being loud, and, and like I got a slap on the wrist. And then so when loud it, on stage? No, loud off stage. Like I was talking to other comics oh, while people were on stage. Yeah. Shit, who did that? I'm not saying. Names, okay. But I got a slap on the wrist basically and uh and I, I just I, when it came time to like oh I ran out of uh sets, I got to book more. I just didn't want to message that person again. Oh. So then I just kind of didn't book any sets. And I'm not blaming that person for me getting I, that's just I get that though. I had that's a very awkward. fragile rela- reaction and then well, of being depressed and burnt out and shit. It, it, was, yeah, one, it was one of the straws, maybe, that I was like, uh, I'm not no good with conflict. That's an awkward thing. And like we we hashed it out in messages and both sides apologized and everything. It, it wouldn't have been weird at all. They wouldn't have thought it was weird. It was really just, you know. And it wasn't a literal, like they didn't come up and like <laughs> actually slap their wrist. I wish they had. Uh, that would have been way better. It was better. just a polite like, shush. No, it was like a reaming a little bit. <gasps> oh, shit. Okay. It's not that big. I don't want to cause drama. I'm not even in the scene right well, now. There's a lot of layers to like stand up. One of them, I think a big one is the community feeling and like the feeling of fitting in and having friends that are also doing it. Yeah. And that's also the, one of the biggest things that stopped me from going back in is because I care so much about what other people think and being called out. Like, where the fuck have you been? You lazy comic. You like, you don't. And, yeah. And you know what? Eventually I've learned after all these high. Well, actually there's only one that I took because I couldn't handle the lifestyle of work and comedy. The one before. And then this one, mm-hmm. all the other ones before were because I had to go back to Cape Breton to do nursing school. So just logistics. Yeah. Yeah. A logistical break. And uh, every time I came back from one of those, it's actually like surprisingly good. Like you kind of reinvent yourself a little bit. You're excited about it. Like you said, when you came back to doing intoxicated. Yeah. You kind of have beginner's luck again for a while. That's and then And then you plateau again after you get into the swing of it and you're like trying to work on bits. But yeah, I, I really do feel like when you come back to it. And it's, it's kind of like riding a bike for me, I find. Mm. I, I, I'll do really good initially. Maybe I'll like be awkward for a bit before I get stage legs. But yeah, like the things you're I, I, I don't want to go back with just all the stuff that I had before. I'll, mm. Gradually, right. I like bring it back in to the fold. But like when I went back the first time last year, it was like a brand new seven minutes. And that's not as crazy as a thing as people make it out to be, I don't think. Interesting. Depending on like, you know, if you're at like a workout mic, the right Very setting. true. You know what? And like, that's that's exactly what I want to do too. I, it's not that I wanna, crazy. I want to come back with all new stuff. I'm not totally disregarding those jo- other jokes. Or I want to like very much so build on the other jokes and like make them very different. Um, I, yeah. Like I'm, I'm excited about Scott... Uh, and I had a good talk with this because I was asking for like honest feedback. And I was because I was like pitching him joke ideas. And I was like, does this have legs? And, you know, like the f- the feedback I always get is that my jokes are too sad. They're too self-deprecating. They're too negative. Um, and Scott's been trying to encourage me to write from another perspective. Like, like instead of me saying I'm a depressed piece of shit, I would say like, 
my friend so-and-so is a depressed piece of shit. Like, I, I literally talk from the third person. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about somebody else. I heard Louis C.K. does that a lot. Yeah. I heard him in an interview say, like, whenever you hear me saying, like, all oh, this piece of shit at the airport did this, it's me. Like, it's it's about him. I did something shitty, but he already shits on himself so much, so to tamper that down, but he does just make it a different person and directs his anger towards an other, which is, I guess, less guilty for them to laugh at. And I struggle with that because I very much so want to just be totally authentic on stage. And yeah, and 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 Scott was essentially just like, your premises are so good. It's just like the actual jokes need work. And I'm like, OK, well, at least I have that. At least I have some premises that I think are going to be good jokes eventually. Um, so I'm excited where I am right now is I'm excited about potential. Yeah, I'm not quite ready to like book a set yet. Yeah, no, me neither. But I'm for sure. I went out to Yuck Yucks last night oh, and yeah? I like to watch and hang out and it got me m- missing it. Like I was like, I-, I need to get I need to get back up there yeah. and just the thing is that this is like kind of a really honest like opinion, too, is like I I really did feel like when I stopped performing and I stopped doing episodes, I did feel my value in the scene plummet. Yeah. Um. Whether or not that is fact or true, it could be my own perception, my, just my perception of it. I mean, it. there's got to be truth to it, because if you're consistent and you're doing good, you're going to rise up. So the inverse is definitely true. So, right. yeah, we're, we've we plummeted. But at, at this point, I'm like, whatever. If yeah, uh, that makes me, it makes it a little bit more pure because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not climbing a ladder. I, I don't have, I'm not even on the ladder yet. I right. fucking jumped off the ladder six months ago. The ladder's gone. Yeah. So I'm just doing it for the jokes and just doing it for the audience. Yeah. It kind of purifies. And yeah, I care so much about what everybody thinks of me. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, they probably do have uh, some thoughts, some negative thoughts, but it, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. So. Or maybe they don't. That's the thing. The truth. We'll yeah. They probably, know. nobody cares as much about yourself as you do. So. I think, I think generally speaking, people don't care as much as we think they do. And I think most of the time it's our own mental cage that we put ourselves in that fucks us over big time. Um, I just, and another like thing that like I've been struggling with and I'm trying to come to turn, like I'm trying to resolve this before I go back to stand up because I go, I don't want any resentment seeping through when I go back. Like when I go back, I just want to fucking have fun. I want to just goof around, tell jokes. I want to just, I want to be like when we start, when I started and like you and I became friends, like, yeah, I want that. I want that feeling again. The excitement of like, Oh my God, I have this. I I really want to try this joke tonight. Ooh, how's it going to go? Is it going to go good or bad? Like that excitement. I want that again. But one thing that I've, I've struggled with is, is not feeling encouraged by comedy colleagues. Um, and I like, I, I said something while drinking once that was just like, you know, when I quit, no one really objected. So maybe there's something to me quitting. And I just go, Sarah, like, it's that's such a, <laughs> that's such a like little girl thing to say. It's fishing for, uh, no, Sarah, it's, you shouldn't quit. But really, if you think about it, that would be nice to have too, right? Yeah. Like, did nobody gave you what you wanted? Nobody, not, I mean, so like, I, I've had a few people be like stick with it you like you know i'll shout out claire balfour because she's gone out of her way to like message me and she knows i'm insecure about writing and she'll go out of her way and message me and say like just so you know you are a good writer um and like i've appreciated that so much um but it's like not a lot of people yeah you know and like I, i'm never gonna ask for encouragement you don't ask for someone yeah. to encourage you yeah that'd be awkward right but there are comics that have that person that tells them not to quit and helps them stick with it. And when you don't have that, you are purely going off of your own love of it and your own motivation. Yeah. To so do it. Be a, t- a bigger test of dedication. It'd probably be better to have a support group or whatever, yeah. but doing it without it is whatever. And, and that's the thing. That's I'm like, is. I just go, well, what am I going to do? Ask for it? <laughs> That's, yeah. that, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound good either. You just put your head down and keep practicing and then someday you'll move to a bigger scene and find a group or you'll get so big that nobody can ignore you and then they'll be sucking up to you. And I also think maybe people around me 
knew I needed a break and maybe just didn't want to argue about it. Yeah. You know, maybe they just saw that I was burnt out and not really having fun at shows. And like, uh, I really did, did feel like the last month of stand up, I was like on autopilot. Like I wasn't really there. Yeah, if stand-up's really not there. fun, you have to be making at least like $20,000 a year at it for you to- Right, to not sh- have fun. To persevere, you're not having fun with stand-up. Exactly. And even then, you should rethink your career choice, maybe. Right? Because it's so- Yeah. And it's like when you're in a bad place and then you have to go bomb, like that's not necessarily the best thing for your mental health either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But if you kill, then you'll- then it feels really great. Yeah. But then it's the ups and downs of it are like tough. Yeah. It's not fucking not easy. Um, so like that, those are my honest thoughts on it. But like, I'm glad that like you're also breaking. Like, I'm glad that I have people to talk to about this because it feels lonely. Yeah. Well, yeah, otherwise I, I, it's, a, it's a shameful feeling to, it it's is like, very shameful. And then you have like an identity crisis. Like I used oh, to call myself a stand up yeah. comedian. Now I don't anymore. I've thought about and then people being like people at work. Like I, the last big show I did, I, all my coworkers were there and, uh, it was probably the best show I ever had. So that they leave right. on this high thinking that I'm like doing great and everything. And then that was like the last show I did. Right. <laughs> and and then, then you feel ashamed. And then they're like, how's the comedy going? I was like, oh, it's a weird thing to have to divulge. Be like, oh, I, I'm taking a break because I'm too depressed and anxious. Like, it's yeah, a, it's a lot to put on someone just for asking a small, <laughs> right? a, a small time <laughs> just question direct them to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's tough to come up with a succinct, short answer to that question. But also, you don't owe them an explanation you could just say i'm just not performing right now which is kind of what i've said i'm just like i'm just not performing currently but um now, now i got a job that's like so much less stressful it's almost right. like boring which is perfect so i'm gonna perfect. have a lot of uh extra mental clarity to do what i want with that's the gonna stand-up. be good for you do you have yeah. a plan to go back uh, i mean i plan to go back i, I just don't know when yeah yeah same yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I kind of feel like I need to book a spot to have the motivation. Yeah, if I booked a spot, then I would be way more pressured to to get the seven minutes together. But uh, I'm just being a perfectionist. That's part of the reason. Jesus. Like I procrastinate and then I'm a perfectionist. So it's like We're I need to have the similar. perfect seven minutes that's foolproof. I know I'm not going to bomb because I'll have thought about it. And that really is use my your... genius writing skills to make it. And it's so, so delusional, but I, I fall for it every time. That really is your process. Because the last time we hung out in a writing capacity, you were writing like pages of your set. Like it was like and it's written. The same thing over and over and over again. It's just so fascinating to see how different people do it because like I don't write physically write it outward for her. I don't think I have an efficient way, but it's just my like little autistic method that I feel like I have to stick to. That's your way. Everyone has a different way. Yeah. You know, and I've seen my, tons of people who write write it out word for word. My favorite compliment, it's not even like a compliment when people say it, they're just like if they're surprised by the fact that I'm like heavily scripted and they're like, really, that's word for word. You wrote every word. It's like perfect. Like I'm delivering it like it's not like that. But right. it would be a lot easier to just be able to do that like a normal person. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's fine to have your own way that you do things if it works for you. I think it's just my um, my biggest fear is just blanking. Like I blank, yes. I blanked once. I think maybe maybe twice, maybe a few other times um, to smaller degrees. Like oh, yeah. uh, like a three second pause. It feels like forever. But yeah, it really does. But like I, 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 I saw Scott do it last night, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like like I get real nervous in my yeah. head for him. <laughs> Everybody's butthole puckers. <laughs> But I had one early in my comedy days where I was like really high and I was trying to roll across oh, joint no. before I went on stage. It was that pot room, the high life. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. I've so only was, heard bad things. I was trying to roll across joints and yeah. it was failing and I was flustered. And then I heard like Michael Kennedy, like they called me and I didn't come up. And then I talked about being nervous right away, which you should never do. And uh, yeah, I, I blanked out and had to walk off the stage. That's wild. But then I came back the next week and did good. And I think they were really proud of me. They gave me like a big, big ass fucking baseball bat of a joint. And I was like, what is this for? Because you came back. Yeah, probably. Nice. But that was like, I had to rethink my whole life. Like that was like one of my lowest lows. of. <laughs> Dude, 
what you said earlier about the identity crisis, I could not agree with more. I have, when you said about like, you're not sure whether to call yourself a comedian. I also don't know anymore. I'm like, it, I have an issue with that title. I've gone through phases where I've taken that off the Instagram bio and then put it back on. Well, there's people that'll be shitty at you just for calling yourself a comedian, even if you were doing open mics because you're not paying the bills with it. You're not touring. Right. You're not a headliner. So you're not a comedian. Right. It's this weird, contentious like term yeah. that everyone has a, an opinion on on what makes it. Um, we were never comedians. We were just people doing open mics, and now we're people not doing open mics. Oh, fuck me, <laughs> failure. Do you? So, like, I yeah, yeah. I I feel like I've been going through an like existential crisis more, even more so than an identity one. I'm just like, what is my purpose? That's on, where I'm at currently. Planet. What is my purpose? Why am I here? What's the deal with life? What's going on? Dark Knight of the Soul. Who the fuck am I? It's yeah. very intense. Yeah, just try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it was like Mindy getting cancer, my cat has cancer, um, that yeah, like that might have triggered it because it's, she's it's my. It's got you thinking about mortality. Probably big time. Yeah, and she's like my my anchor. She's like my my tether to like reality in a, a weird way. She's like the thing I come home to every night and like my comfort. So um, it's, it's tough. Cause I just go without that cat. Like I'm going to come home to literally like not like this. This apartment won't feel like a home without Mindy. Well, you were talking about you wanted to move anyway. Yeah. Big t- I want to change. That might make it, that might soften the blow. I want a big time change. I, and I'm not opposed to like moving outside of Halifax. I'm really not. Dun dun. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I'd have to get a lot of ducks in the row before that can you happen. You can move closer to some of those uh, podcast network contacts you were talking about. I, I do think I need a drastic change like to get me out of this de- depression. Do you ever feel like depression is just like because sometimes I feel this way where I go, I think it's just who I am. I don't know if it's even. I phases de- of depression it, well yeah i think that there's a lot to that you might just be like that and then your best hope is just mitigating it your whole life and it's just a cross you have to bear i'm definitely not like that every time i get depressed it's because i hate something about my life it's and, it's it's situational it go, yeah it go it goes away like these two depressions i've had were both just because i got burnt out at these jobs as soon as i got this new job um it's not like you put your two weeks in with nursing. Sometimes they can hold you for longer. So I was held at my last job for three months and everybody's like, oh, that sucks. But those were the easiest three months I've had to work there right. because I was the most experienced at the position and I could see a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. I was having like suicidal thoughts, like uh, all shift long. And fuck. here's the thing. I don't even think they were like real. I think it was like self-deceptive suicidal. Like I was trying to trick myself into thinking I was suicidal so I would give myself an out to leave the job like I that that's just a theory. Just a, yeah, but I don't think it was like really so like I I just thought about it a lot. And I think part of me was trying to be like, oh, if I'm worried enough about my own life, then I'll get another job. Which, right. Which is what happened two times in a row now. I lit a fire under your ass. Yeah. I just uh, <laughs> I threatened to kill way, myself to myself and then I, I but- get out. In a way, I get that because it's so it's so drastic that you go, I need I this is what I need. You just enter- this is exactly what I need. It's and- not it's not good, though. Like, did you know, I, I was just entertaining suicidal thoughts all the time, which uh, it's hard to stop doing once you get into a habit of it. I think people should talk about suicidal thoughts way more. Like, oh, it's absolutely. kind of like an oh shit moment, mic drop thing. But like. Was, it's, it's a touchy subject people avoid yeah. too much, I think. I was talking to this social worker at my new job. Uh, it's kind of a mental health adjacent job. I don't really want to say what it is, but she has assessed so many people for suicide risks. And it's like people who really like these are this is the population who would do it. And, and make uh, attempts to do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she was talking to me about like how to do an assessment and like suss out if they're actually suicidal because also this position, they're always trying to manipulate staff and they're always trying to trick you. And there's certain things that they'll get if they say they're oh, suicidal. Yeah. So there's lots of people who aren't and they're trying to trick you. 
And that's unfortunate. What she told me, it kind of, it really like put things in perspective of like, it's very hopeful what, how she explained it is most people are really a not very high risk of suicide. Like even people who have suicidal thoughts, even people who like have, um, like a plan in place. Mm. Like I told her that, like yeah. I had a plan and I thought about it all day. She said I was a low risk because I didn't have intent. And, uh, like I have support systems and stuff. I have things to live for. Like if my whole family intent. was dead and I had no like intention, Oh, like I wasn't like actually intending, like I'm even though you had a plan, not a plan. I just had a method that was, oh. would, that would have been the best. Like, ah, uh, yes. Okay. I had a method that was, Awesome. Like it would have been a great way to do it. Isn't it wild? But I also feel How like many I people haven't I... killed themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Because so many people are so depressed. I think that was a Louis C.K. joke too. It's just like we're it's just you're it's just you and a bunch of other people who decide not to kill themselves today. That's what because humanity is. It would be so easy to do. Well, there's the instinct to survive, and then if you have a kid or something, you're definitely gonna think twice before doing it. Like there's yeah. lots of buffers that just make it so that you're. There's also that I don't know if your friend mentioned this, but like there's also like the categories of usually the people who do it aren't the people who um, there's like two brackets of depressed suicidal people. One is like, I'm a burden to the people I love. They don't need me. They'd be better off. That's a, me. that's a real red flag. And that's the bad one. To Especially be in. if they, uh, had a different logic before like oh i'd like to die but i can't do that to my family if they can talk themselves into a rationale of like actually they probably would be better off without me that's a that's huge bad. red flag they're a high risk right bad, there. bad bad and those are the ones that like leave notes for their family like i'm so sorry i did this but i had to yeah the other side is like i want people to be sad about my death i'm doing this because i'm angry i want to hurt the people i love because i'm hurt yeah, that would be a little lower risk because it would lower. be like they're probably going to want to like cut the wrists or something, scare yeah. people. I'll, I want to do a disclaimer. Like, yes, I'm not saying if someone has suicidal thoughts and but a plan, that serious. is something to take really yes. seriously. Yes. And I don't have a lot. I don't have really any experience with uh, treating people with suicidal thoughts or doing yeah. assessments. This is just my because I could actually fucking get in shit probably if I miss say something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But but no, but you make a great point because it's this is just how the system works and how they assess people. Yeah. It's it, this is just what it is kind of thing. This is me but, yeah, trying to have, recollect the conversation with a social work to the best of my ability. I could have misspoke. I'd be fucking fascinated to talk to talk to her. Oh yeah, I like like I said the job is so much slower paced. I could afford to just sit there and talk to her for like an hour about like suicide assessments and like get a feel for what it's like and it was, re it was really awesome because i was getting anxious the whole time because if it was my other job it's like when i'm in a two-minute conversation with someone there's a voice in my head and being like shut up shut up i got shit to do like move on uh, let's move it along here uh, so fast paced so you're you were in a constant state of like i gotta be going yeah well you from, need to be on constantly like i would have like four shifts in a row typically like three day shifts and then a night shift or like two day shifts and a night shift. And so from the night before my first shift to the moment I got off, I was in a constant state of anxiety about mm. what time it is. Oh. Uh, what time is it? I got to get to work. I got to wake up in time. I got to go to bed early because it's now 10 o'clock. I got to, I'm only going to get four hours of sleep. That's not good. Fuck. And then you get to work and it's worrying about getting a break on time and getting the meds out on time. And then things come up that make those things hard to do. And then, yeah, and then you get home and then you're like, oh, I got to make supper and get to bed at a decent time. It just time. repeats itself. Yeah. And then it's just like 96 hours of that straight of like being super stressed about what time it is. You do not need that. You do not need that in your life. But I felt really trapped in my career. Yeah. Like if I, if I, if I, that was the worst thought of it is like, oh, this is never going to end. I don't have any other skills. I would have to like start over and I'm barely Ugh. living paycheck to paycheck now. So it's not like I can just go work at McDonald's because it'd make me happier. Right. So, but I was, I'm really lucky with the job I have now. I'm so excited. I'm actually that's like, I was good. actually sad when I went home from work the last time. Oh, that's nice. I had two. Well, I only, I have two. I'm on my, I did my second orientation shift. So I'm not that far into it. But, okay. But, but like, I was time. like, oh shit, I wish I had work tomorrow. Well, it shows that you're very interested in it and you want to be there and you want to yeah. be in it. Like, that's a good sign. 
People, yeah. if you hate your job, seriously consider of ways to get out of that. Because all most of our lives are is working. I was immediately not depressed. As soon as I had the position, I was still working in the place that made me depressed and it was fine. The feeling you get when, when you're done with a toxic job or well, one that's not, not necessarily a toxic job, but like one that's not good for you. Specifically. It's just the system is struggling and it's really straining to be under those pressures. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and once you're free of that, whew, it's like, it's like you lose weight. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Yeah, everyone should uh, consider like job changes or career changes. So I don't, I don't think I can even relate to like uh, non-situational depression. See, and that's that's I don't think mine's situational. I think I've I think I've always been sad, and there's always a layer of sadness, um, and I've realized that a lot of my mental health has pushed so many people away in my life. So now I'm in a place of like, all right, bitch, this is probably just like your personality, but you got to figure out a way to like change it. So you're not so much of a downer to be around. Like, <laughs> like truly though, truly like I need, I need to change something if I want human connection. Do you ever get have therapy before? I can't afford it. Right. Yeah, it's tough. So I have benefits now that gives me $500, but like that'll I had $1,800 worth of benefits and all that shit I just said, like I should have used it by now, but I never did because I, I, I did the free counseling that they offer, which is unrelated to that 1800 I had access to. And that guy told me like, he thinks I have ADD and I should get a diagnosis, $1,000, maybe some uh, pharmaceutical cocaine will fix my life. Maybe not. So I don't. You could get a, you don't have to pay a thousand dollars to get assessed, but you do have to wait. In wait? So like I. I didn't want to use a thousand of that 1800. I wanted to like save yeah. it for an emergency. So the one that I did was free assessment, but you have to get on a wait list to get oh, okay. it. So you might be waiting. I had a few people tell months. me the thousand dollars thing, but. I mean, that's the thing. I guess you got to ask yourself, like, like for me, like I was like, I might as well get on a wait list. Cause yeah. like it's either, it's either I'm on a wait list or I don't get the assessment at all. And, and to me, I was like, well, if I'm on the wait list, I'll eventually get the assessment and it was fucking worth it. Um, but I mean, if you have the money and if it's worth it for you, yeah, fucking do it. And I, I could see you having ADHD. <laughs> oh, I think for sure. Like I'm on that. I could see that for sure. But I, I could say that about so many people. I know it's and it's over prescribed now. And it might just be like this generation's mind. Like if, it's, if, right? if more people have it than not, then it's more of a weird thing to not have it. It almost it really does make me go. Like, is this just how people are versus an illness that they have? Like, I don't know. Like some people's can is be so bad that it ruins your life. Like that, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. And where I'm working now, it's a lot of that. Right. But at the same time, those meds uh, really feel great when you snort them or inject them. So I see a lot of patients like I've seen a lot of drug addict patients go through. Uh, that's not like where I'm at now. It's not uh, specifically drug addicts, but I worked on an acute mental health, not mental health. I worked on an acute medicine floor. Mm. So there's a lot of. A lot of people addicted to drugs. Every single one of them was on ADHD medication. Well, they say it's like meth. It's like it's like Coke. Like this guy said, we were allowing people. It's like harm reduction. We let people inject their uh, opioids. Uh, we just give them to them. They're the only people we don't have to look at them, take their meds because we give them needles and stuff and they inject because oh. if we didn't do that, then they wouldn't be willing to come in for like whatever antibiotics they need. Because they would have to like go through withdrawals. So this is our our compromise. Like, and I've seen some people where it was like, oh, that's a great program. And sometimes it gets a little haywire. But uh, one of the good guys, actually, um, he wasn't supposed to. We were supposed to witness him take the ADHD meds. And then he was like cheeking it. And I called him out on it. And he got really upset. He was like, please, it helps me with my cocaine cravings. So there is uh, other reasons why these meds are so popular. Yeah, I'm not on the ADHD meds yet. I'm, I'm sure it's fine if you just take it normally there. and not injecting it or snorting it yeah. and stuff. I think it does wonders for people who are on it and do it. I have in a the right friend way. who's on it and he's like he gets really stressed out if he if he can't be on it. Like he said it is like life-changingly good. 
Yes. Uh, but he has troubles all the time with uh, getting his prescriptions filled and then that, doing it right because there's such a shortage because it's so prescribed now. It is. And there's people also saying, well, this is on TikTok. Like, oh, my my Adderall isn't working all of a sudden is is the thing going around TikTok right now. Ooh, that's alarming. Right? Yeah, you don't want to go on a increasing dose of Adderall for too long. That's that's basically like meth. Yeah. Ooh. You going up there? Oh, sorry, my God. <laughs> little Mindy's here with does she us. Ever make it up there anymore? Oh, yes, she does. Oh, my little cancer cat is here. Um, but yeah, no, like things have been things have been tough, but I don't want to say it's the worst time in my life because I, I'd be like the girl who, you know, the girl who always says every New Year's Eve, this is going to be my year. <laughs> That's everybody, isn't it? This is going to be my year. I think with me with depression, it's like every depression, every depressive pit I'm in, I have that I go, this is the worst one. No, no, no. This is the worst one. No, no, no. This is the worst one. And then I'm just like, wait a second. This is all the time. So do you think you're actually in the worst one right now? It is the it's the mo- it's it's the worst in the sense of it's the biggest in terms or of the my longest in terms of my thinking. Oh, because my right. thinking is very existential and not not at all. Such, I mean, it's kind of situational with my cat dying. Yeah, but it's it's bigger because it's it feels like I'm I'm dealing with bigger themes mm. because I'm thinking about like what's my purpose like what's life about is life worth it we all die anyway why should i care so much but i do care so why how do i make this life worth it and like how can i be of service to other people you need jesus i do need a like doesn't it sound like that? honestly i think a little bit of jesus would fix all your problems i need like a religion or yourself to believe in jesus or muhammad whichever one i listen a cult or something. Try Buddhism. I, Buddhism I can be pretty chill. There's a book I'll show you. I bought a book that's based on Buddhist uh, principles. You can't. You stoicism might be good too, but then you're gonna start sounding too much like Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will just I be can, like. I can only deal with one of him. I don't need him in my brain. The but the first book podcast I, I did, I was all on the stoicism. Remember, you were. I talked about I, it for a while. I I. I want to get there because it feels more calming. It seems like a pretty solid philosophy. Yeah, it feels more calming. The book I got is called. <laughs> it could also be kind of dangerous, though, for your existential issues, because a lot of it is about like leaning into thinking about what the worst thing could happen is so that you're chill with it. If it does happen. With like, stoicism? Yeah. So there's, a, there's a lot of just like expecting the worst. So that you're not disappointed. That's well, that for sure is me. And that's yeah. exactly how I live my life. Maybe if you could tweak your personality, it might, it might be a good stoicist. Yeah. Yeah. This book I got is called when things fall apart. And I got it when I was like in the throes of Mindy stress. I was like thinking I was going to lose my cat. I was fucking spiraling big time. Um, and I've only read like the first two chapters or something. I need to keep reading it, but it's based on Buddhist principles kind of thing i know a lot of that is like (sighs) accepting that life is suffering yeah that's what it's about it's kind of about really being like feeling pain not going away from it like going into it um and i'm good at that apparently it's like did you ever uh (laughs) put your hand under really cold or really hot water for a while and then when you start to get used to it it almost feels like the cold water is actually kind of warm now yes yes and um I totally forget where I was going. With no, that, but that makes sense, though. And you could probably say the same for like hard things. Oh, the life is suffering thing. Yeah. So if, if at first the hot water feels really hot and then eventually it actually kind of starts to feel cold, you're like, it's all about your interpretation of it. Right. At first you perceived it as hot, but then that can change. So you can perceive pain as just something neutral. Yep. And something that passes. But then the, the opposite side of it is you're also want to avoid being super elated all the time because that's not very buddhist either that's something i very much so struggle with big time too is like not allowing myself to get excited about things oh um, so you're a good buddhist i good i must be i yeah i don't i'm very uh a pragmatic optimist i think buddhism i was interested in at one point 
after I was an atheist because there, there is like a secular version of Buddhism. Like there is a lot of supernatural stuff, but there's like oh. secular takes on it. Like it's more of a philosophy than a like this happened back then. And that's why the rain falls and you have to listen to the man. It's oh. more just life. Interesting. Lessons. I love that you said that I need Jesus. I think that's I think I've graduated from all the other depressions. And like this is where I am. Um, but I think like yeah, a those lot existential shit. I can't help you with that. It's very existential because I because like. My life has gone in a total different direction than I thought it would. Uh, like, you know, like I thought I it would sounds have. like it was really set off by that person having a house and kids yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's just that's big time. I think that's anybody, what triggered it. Anybody following a dream is going to have to deal with that. That's like mm. kind, that's kind of what a dream is, is having to put up with people doing normal life things. Keeping up with the Joneses. normal, normal life milestones of property, kids, wife, husband, family, family like the natural course of most civilized people and a dream is doing something that's not good that's not that. that yeah or at least yeah putting that to the side or like putting it at risk of ever being able to do that because that's like the main human drives to reproduce so well that's exactly it and me now going like don't think that's gonna happen don't think i'm gonna be a mom don't think i'm gonna have the family i want um cat's about to die so i'm gonna lose like my biggest connection in my life um what 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 do, is this do you <laughs> what am i doing like how do you feel about adoption though like do you not i there's everybody's got that like narcissistic thing is like i want it to be half me though but like failing that I, what I is wrong I, with alleviating oh, there's nothing the wrong home, with it the parentlessness of the world i've and, just seen people go through the adoption process and it is a lot harder than people make it out to be it's not like you can just yeah, maybe because it, a lot of it's these probably kids, harder than having your own kid, but like a lot of these kids are making, trauma ridden. Like, yeah, big time. You, you might get them young enough, or maybe like, yeah, it would be like a lot of red flags. But the the selfish side of me, just I, it's not so much. I, I want to produce another me because that would be hor- horrific. Um, but I just want to experience pregnancy. Oh, like that's yeah, fair. Something that I'm curious about. Uh and I definitely would not. The time's a ticking for for how, like you know what I mean. So that triggers a lot of the existential thing. A lot of the like, I want a family. I want, and I think that's like my main, my my main want in life is like a family, big yeah. or small. And a family doesn't necessarily mean like a bunch of kids, but like I, I guess I always pictured, I always pictured at least having a partner to go about life with. And I don't have that. And I can't, and I also can't bank on having that. So I'm at a point where I'm like, bitch needs, I gotta do a fucking eat, pray, love trip to Greece or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I need, I, I need to do something that like gets me being happy alone. I have yet to conquer being happy alone. I'm still not happy being alone. What's the big life change you're planning? Moving to another. I mean, place? I I would be down to move to another province if it was a career. Oh move. right, right, yeah. If it was a yeah. if it, if it was a career move for me, I would do that. I would love to make more money. I would love to eventually like have a home that like I'm proud of. I think I'm in a nesting phase, and then I go, I can't afford the nesting now. So <laughs> because of yeah, so there's just like a lot, and it's just like times are rents so much money you have to make so much money to like oh it's so and it's so much harder for a single person yeah so like i'm moving grappling. to another city would be really daunting it would be very daunting is, like halifax is bad is there other canadian cities that's not doing as bad i don't know i don't know but every it's, time i say a question like this people say it's horrible everywhere i have to accept the fact that things are going to be twice as hard for me because i don't have a partner you think it makes that so, much harder? It's another mouth to feed. What's that? <laughs> it's another mouth to feed. But I love cooking for people. It's usually the only time I cook. Oh, I, when I, I had a boyfriend, it. I cooked for him all the time. I've been really into cooking lately. Do you not like cooking? Like, it, does it feel like a waste? I hate when you're it. Cooking for yourself? Yeah. I hate it. I hate cooking. I don't do it. I have a tiny kitchen. I don't have space. I got a tiny kitchen, probably the same size, and I, it is really frustrating. I also throw leftovers all the time because I'm not a leftovers person. So I make a bunch of food, and it just goes. Goes to waste. You should so get those meal boxes. 
I am thinking about doing. They're actually uh, it's Hello a bargain again. too. Yeah, I, I I like doing doing that from time to time. That's a nice thing. To I've do. been living off them for me and my girlfriend. Have been living off them for like a couple of years now. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're fucking great. Yeah, we get like they're three meals it. a week out of it. Definitely worth it. Like sponsored by Mealbox. <laughs> I didn't. Did I even say the brand name? I just said Mealbox. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, DoorDash, <laughs> Chef's Plate, HelloFresh. You're gonna have to I, give Sarah some money if I'm gonna drop your. Name. I Uber eat a lot of things. Yeah. yeah um. Me too. But like, I hope that <laughs> this was a needed conversation for me. I just wanted to kind of shed shed light on like where I am, what's going on with the podcast, why I'm not doing stand up. Um, and update people who might care. This is going to go on like the audio feed. So I'm just going to put it up. And if people want to listen, they can listen. I think it's going to be the next big viral podcast. <laughs> comics talk. Comics go from talking about lack of stage time to suicidal Suicide. thoughts. <laughs> Medical to- misinformation, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> to existential crisis. Um, but yeah. To and then recap, the value of meal boxes. The value of meal boxes. To recap, intoxicated, it's not done. I'm just trying to figure out a way um, to do it in a way that makes sense for me. Uh, this might be in the form of a monthly podcast. It might be in the form of a podcast that just pops up and happens from time to time. Um, it might be that I don't do it until the fall when maybe Scott versus Sarah is done. And then I, I can like focus all my energy on it again. I don't necessarily just I just don't want to end it yet is the thing. And maybe I'm a pussy. Maybe I'm scared of like what life would look like without it completely. Maybe that's a thing. What would I, you fill the time with? Just more stand up? Another podcast. stand. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I would find a way to fill the time. Or you could, you know, get a life. Yeah. And that's what I've been. That's what I've been trying to do. But turns out uh, it doesn't take depression away. <laughs> what? Getting a life? <laughs> Not. Taking a break from things. Oh yeah, it, it certainly doesn't. Uh, and I've I have been feeling like just not as valuable. So something I'm grappling with. But I have to like I also have to remember that like I don't I shouldn't have to work to be valuable. You mean like actual? I shouldn't have to be constantly producing things. Content. Like and content could also be stand up because you're you're doing jokes for other people. Like, I don't have to do those things. I shouldn't have to do those things to feel valuable. Do you, do but you feel I do. better now that you actually have like a job in podcasting? Cause I don't know what you did before, but I think I remember you like doing lots of odd jobs here and there. Like that seemed like really stressful. Now you're kind of in the industry. It, it feels good, but it also kind of sucks in a way too, because it makes me not really want to end my day and then do more podcasting. Yeah, so maybe if that makes sense, maybe you sh- yeah, maybe you need more time to yourself. And Scott versus Sarah is probably plenty. Yeah, Scott versus Sarah, just like the way we do it, and like it's it's just it's a little easier. I do it at work, not home, so it's kind of a better separation there. Yeah, which is nice. I like the idea of coming home to a home and not a studio, because like I work at a studio and then I come home to a studio. What are you gonna do with the extra room in here? Well, I, all I would do is push this desk to the wall. Oh, yeah. It's actually not that much stuff. And it would just be a workstation. Yeah. At that point. And not not less, like a studio studio. But like in an ideal world, I have my own like room that I could make for like content stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that's life. That's just me trying to separate things. And then, but then it also it's like, well, maybe it's not meant to be separated. Maybe I need to embrace that. I don't know, guys. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I need to do mushrooms or something. That might, I need to do, have you ever done them? That I've might be a good idea. Never done mushrooms, but I think I, I think said you this. Could, you I said this. Use the, some mushrooms for sure. Well, I said this the first time I met you. Of like, I think it's a great time for me to do it. I think now is a great time for me to do it. Yeah, with those existential crises and stuff, I think mushrooms would be a big help for that. Right? Are you on an SSRI? I'm on uh, Wellbutrin. I don't know if that's an SSRI. I don't think it is. Most antidepressants now are, but. So I don't think it, I think it's like an A. If it doesn't work on serotonin, then you should be totally safe for the mushrooms. Um, Apparently SSRIs, there might be a risk of getting serotonin syndrome or the mushrooms just not working. What is serotonin syndrome? It's uh, it's like a gut issue, like an intestinal problem. You can get 
pretty sick. Like if you took an SSRI and then St. John's warts, for example, it's like uh, almost oh. like an over-the-counter antidepressant sort of mood sta- stabilizer thing. Uh, then you could get serotonin syndrome. Okay. Or, uh, or the mushrooms might not work. So I haven't been taking them since I got antidepressants, but the person who actually sells me mushrooms said that they're on the exact same med as me, the same dose, and they do them all the time, and it's, it's fine and normal. So Interesting. Um, let me just see. Is Wellbutrin. I don't think it's SS. I think it's like something else. It's a it, it, selective no. serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It is not. Woohoo! It is not a selective serotonin. That's an SSRI. Oh, yeah. I missed the word not. So it, does that mean that's so a you good? Should, yeah, that's you should be good. So let's end this episode by you telling me how I should do my first mushroom trip as a neurotic, horrifically depressed uh, person going through an existential crisis. In, it's, I mean, it's not going to be. Should I just do it alone here? No, no, don't do it alone. Do it with like the person you trust most and have them not do it. And then it should be in nature. It shouldn't be in your apartment. You'll feel so boxed in here. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be good. I've done mushrooms a lot, like impulsively in the middle of the night, like uh, in my apartment and you just pace around and what do I, what do I start with a low dose? Three grams. That's what I started with. Yeah. Three grams is definitely enough. It's not a microdose. It's enough to get high, but it's probably not enough to make you go psychotic. Okay. Unless you're like, tinkering on the edge as it is and you're schizophrenic then it's probably not a good idea but i think three grams is pretty good okay three grams definitely do it outside because you're gonna feel like a a, a curious little monkey child like it's like probably in the morning and then it'll last like all day and then it'll be kind of getting cooled off does it really last all day like six hours or so oh okay yeah it, it, like the best way I could describe it, especially the first few times I've done it, is it makes you feel like you're seeing life through the eyes of a child again. Like oh. you're filled with childlike appreciation for everything I around you. I love that. You feel like a curious monkey is like the best but way I've I could put it. I've also heard people have bad trips. You know what drug I think I need to do? MDMA. <laughs> that would work. But I'll, that might be a really bad idea, too, because it that, could be laced with things. Not even just that. It, it gives you a big dump of serotonin and then it borrows from the next day. So you're just going to be mm. super depressed the next day. But, yeah, it would probably be really good. Like if you did MDMA and talk to had like a really deep conversation with someone, you might be able to like get, get a I few need, sessions of therapy worth. I love a, a psychologist guided yeah, but you, you know, like you like you said, it's it's hard to find and it's expensive. So if you just had a good friend and you just unloaded some baggage, are you a psychologist out there? Do you want to be my friend? That's not. It won't work <laughs> if they're your friend. Your friend. <laughs> what? They have to not what? be your friend. Oh, yeah. Well, th- that's the point of a psychologist. We were, what if we were new friends? And they didn't know too much about me yet. Maybe, and you'd have to like cut off your friendship. Because that would fuck it up. You can't be friends with. Your I think shrimp. you can be. I think you could be friends with your psychologist. The whole point is that there's somebody that's not a friend and not someone in your life who's not gonna have the right. judgments and the feelings. Like they're not personally attached to you. Okay. And that's why that's they, they have to be indifferent. They're an unbiased source. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this was a very typical Sarah and Mike conversation. I mean, explain things. And, and it all happened because I ran into him at the grocery store holding a bunch of stuff like the like a like a Jenga board. Yeah. yeah. Like f- five, six boxes of frozen food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a broccoli. <laughs> wink, wink. Tons of tons of veggies. <laughs> Not just frozen goods at all that I had to be like, we need to end this conversation so my food doesn't melt. Yeah, your arms are probably cold and tired. But we, uh, yeah, so Michael and I, you will catch us whenever we decide to do comedy again. I'm sure your audience is on the edge of their seats. Waiting for our com- comebacks, comebacks. Comedy backs. Comedy backs. Is that the name of the episode? <laughs> I don't know what else to call the episode other than a spiral on Mike. Um, quitting, not quitting. Quitting? Oh, wait. Quitting? So I'm done. Comma, not quitting. Sorry, not sorry. Wait, quitting, not quitting. Wouldn't that mean quitting? 
Well, it's like saying, well, when you say sorry, not sorry, it's like you're apologizing for the fact that you're not sorry. Oh, so right. So I don't know if that's a good one-to-one. Sorry, with not sorry. Um, comedy backs. I like that. <laughs> comedy failures. Yeah. Comedy dropouts. We're not, oh, comedy dropouts. I like that better. That's there you go. better than failure. Yeah. That's a little pessimistic. That, yeah, that sounds like we tried and then someone was like, no. Jeff Bezos We're, was a high school dropout or college dropout or something. Oh, there we go. And the, Kanye, and dropout, Kanye West. Dropout is like a chosen thing. It's a choice. Yeah. So it feels a bit better. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Michael Kennedy, for joining me. Don't forget to smash that like button. We don't have a video this time, but... Um, consider sticking with the show if you if you are interested in staying with Intoxicated on this weird weird journey that it's on. Um, but like either way, I appreciate you listening, and uh, hopefully, um, talk to you soon. Hopefully, yeah. Maybe. So vague. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> All right. Inventing words. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs>